giant robots smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben, and I'm here today with my co-host, Derek. Hey, Derek. Hey, Ben. So we, we talked about a couple things that we were going to talk about this week. Yeah. I, I threw a couple things on my list. One was conference talk preparation. Yes. And also high leverage things you can do to kind of, I guess, impress people or things that have an outsized benefit to their effort. Yeah. yeah. And that was on, that's, that's my list. Yeah, that sounds good. It's been a, in terms of like day-to-day stuff, it's been a pretty slow week for me. I've been, came down with a pretty bad cold and I usually only get like one a year, but when I do, it like totally knocks me down. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my head is finally like emerging from the fog of being sick. Do you have a home cold remedy that you like? It's just like drinking gallons of tea and trying to sleep as much as possible. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I took a glorious multi-hour nap the other day. Mm -hmm. It was like like from like 5.45 to 7.45 somehow. I just fell asleep and it was like wonderful. Naps are so underrated. Oh, yeah. Does anybody rate? I I think they're rated. Does anybody think naps are not good? I mean, I guess some people are not pro-nap. Yeah. I don't know. Some people claim that they it's impossible for them to nap. Okay, sure. But um, I think it's a skill that is worth developing. Mm, yeah, it's it's pretty great. So, well, I hope you feel better. But let's talk yeah. about some stuff. That'll help your, your cold. Totally. We'll move some air past those cords. Yep. I'm very interested in the conference speaking topic. Yep. Um, as we were talking about last time, I threw my hat in the ring for an attendee talk at MicroConf. And if the people vote me in, then... I will be delivering a 10-minute talk, and this is this would be the biggest stage that I've been on to present a talk, so I'm curious to extract your knowledge. Yeah, I could talk about this a lot. I would love to talk about it. Yeah. Um, just a quick aside, I was listening to Bootstrapped Web this morning, and Jordan Gall is another one of the speakers at um, MicroConf Starter Edition, mm-hmm. uh, and he said that he is it's stressing him out because he hasn't fin- like fully formed the talk yet. And I was like, I was really glad to hear that because my yeah. talk is still kind of coalescing. And yeah. it was just nice to be like, okay, good. At least one other person is is struggling like I am. That feels, that feels good. <laughs> it's like go. Xander stressing me out. Like I hit this due date. And I'm like, exactly. Yes, I agree. So thank you, Jordan, <laughs> for that honesty. That, that helped me. Nice. Good to know you're not alone. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But actually, speaking of that, um, I, I have noticed that in my process, this this typically, this is a normal part of my process of developing a new talk is the stress mm-hmm. of like, oh man, this talk is not working, it's not coming together. Hmm. Like it, it, it always has this sort of like sad, the, the, the trough of despair where it's like, yep. it's not, is it going to be, I think it's going to be too short or I think it's going to be too long or like I'm not going to find the point or I'm not going to find a good way to say this. And yeah. then it starts to coalesce. And then there's a point where it's like, okay, now I'm heading downhill and it feels mm-hmm. like, okay, I got some, I have a little bit of momentum. I'm feeling good about this thing, about myself. Uh, so I'm, I've somewhat trained myself to not trust this part of the process or like yep. the fears of this part of the process where it's like, oh my God, now what? And do you, have you identified, like, what are you usually doing when things start to coalesce? Are you like staring at a blank screen, mm. a sheet of paper? That's like, a great question. The thing, so the thing that I find works for me while I'm in that like kind of development phase is to actually pretend I'm giving the talk. Hmm. And so I'll be like, okay, I know I want to talk about setting your initial prices when you're mm-hmm. launching a MVP or something. And I will just stand and basically pace through my apartment or wherever I am and mm-hmm. start talking as if I'm on stage and mm. trying to make points and trying to make jokes and just like actually try to start like just the riffing on the talk idea. And yeah. I'll find I'll usually bump into one or two things that I like, you know, every, every few minutes. And then I'll go over and I'll, I'll write that down. And that will kind of become yeah. like a, a milestone 
in the talk. And nice. I do that with that, that. That I find that really, that works really well for jokes because I like to have a prepared joke or two in there somewhere. But it's mm-hmm. easy to make those feel really forced. But mm-hmm. I find if I stumble on that joke while I'm pretending to give the talk, it naturally kind of flows out of it. And yeah. so when it's when it's like a good one, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I like that. I'm going to say that, and that'll actually mm-hmm. make it into the notes to make sure I hit mm-hmm. it as part of it. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I've I've used that trick before when I'm trying to like write a blog post or even like if I'm being interviewed on a podcast or something and I know that there's some specific topics I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll just like start talking to myself, riffing through it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like that. I find that's when it, it gets really, at least for me, like I, I've never tried to write out a talk word for word. Like mm-hmm. if you've ever watched someone read a, a speech word for word, it can be kind of excruciating. Yeah. But I find that after 10-ish times it starts to get pretty good because I've accumulated mm-hmm. some good signposts along the way mm-hmm. of points I want to hit and my thoughts coalesce, you know, like just yeah. like writing a blog post where like sometimes you, the process is discovering what you think about the topic. You're like, I know I want right. to write about this. And then as you start writing, you're like, actually, that's interesting. I, I start, my thoughts are kind of changing. Right. Um, but it, it's, it slowly takes shape. Yeah. You're like real time editing yourself where like you, you go off on some tangent and it's like, nah, maybe that's not super interesting. So next time when, when you encounter that as you're running through, it's like your brain hops over that automatically, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's one reason I really like giving talks multiple times is because mm-hmm. I can do a lot of that editing uh, myself and coalescing, but it's hard to know how a thing will actually be taken by the audience. And so um, I like to give talks a few times because after I give a talk, I always take notes like while it's still mm-hmm. fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll sit down and be like, okay, I'll look back over my notes and say, this didn't work. This example could be better. This joke actually isn't funny. (laughs) This should happen before this. No one understood this, things like that. And I I don't think there's any, I haven't found any substitute that's quite as good as, hey, this is the third time I've given this talk and I've really been able to polish it. Mm -hmm. So actually for this microcom talk, I'm going to, I'm looking for some sort of place, some sort of way to get that effect. Like give this talk to some group of people. It almost doesn't matter who to kind of help give it that that polished nature yeah yeah that makes sense so you mentioned like you don't do word for word obviously writing of a a talk but how much do you write down do you have like a loose outline or is it mostly just in your head Uh, i do write down an outline okay i don't i don't think i've ever given a talk with no notes it's just reassuring to know that like the, the basic structure is there yeah and and like i said the stuff that's on there is pretty like so, one thing that I, I can recommend to people is I have I make a checklist of things I do before all my talks, mm-hmm. and that I've sort of uh, grown over the years. Because one of the stressful things about a talk is like, did I remember to do everything? Is everything set up? And it's it, the, my checklist has stuff like clear your browser history, take everything off your desktop, bump up yep. the font size, invert the colors, like all, all these just sort of like housekeeping things, yeah. s- so that I can sit in the audience before my talk and be like, I'm good to go. That helps like calm my mind a lot. It's like yeah. if the talk is, is practiced and polished and I know it's going to be good and I've got all the setup taken care of and I've run through my checklist, I'm good to go. But one of my checklist items is to print the talk notes and I print them in like size 18 or 20, like uh, point mm-hmm. font. I'll print them out and it's basically always just an indented list of stuff, kind of like code basically. It's like topic yep. and then I'll indent a couple spaces and it's like subtopic and and it's just nice and big, and it's usually about two sheets of paper, and that'll mm-hmm. just kind of live next to my laptop on the podium. On the podium, got it. Yep. Nice. 
And I know, like, I remember hearing you speak at MicroConf last year, I believe you gave an attendee talk, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember you did, you did some kind of icebreaker right at the beginning. Yeah. What are some of your go-to methods for that? (laughs) Like, have you found that is like a valuable thing to do? I have found it super valuable. So it's interesting. So for a while, I was directing a chorus uh, nearby. Mm -hmm. And I found that there was actually a lot of overlap between being an interesting and compelling director and public speaker. And so Mm. each one informed the other. And that icebreaker thing, I think, came out of that world where I would see like a really good director. Because one of the things you're struggling with is is attention. And so I like to start with doing something that gets attention. Especially if you're the fourth talk or something. Maybe the person before you was a little bit boring and people kind of tuned out. And even if people are high energy and paying attention, they still have laptops in front of them. Yeah. And so you're, you're competing with the internet, which is, you know, right. a worthy competitor. Yep. And so I like to do things that get people moving because, you know, it makes their blood move. So it, A, it gets their attention on you. And B, it kind of gets, a lot of times it'll get them to close their laptop. So yeah. a commonality of all my like warm up things is that people, I'll have people stand. Because if like a lot of the times people have like a laptop on their lap and they'll close it to stand up and like that's a win for me or they'll put the phone in their pocket, which is also a win. But the overall thing is mostly just surprise people. Like the, the yeah. icebreaker kind of doesn't matter. I think the one I did at MicroConf was like, okay, I'm going to move my hands uh, across each other. And when they're perfectly aligned, I want everyone to clap at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. And so I'll, I'll do that. And that's just like a, it's just, it's a focus exercise. I stole it right from, from directing. It's like a, it's a pretty common one. Cause one of the things that matters in a chorus is doing everything at the same time. That's, that's like basically yep. a chorus's job. That's what makes a chorus good yep. is when everyone can execute the same plan simultaneously. And so that's just stolen right from there. But it, it kind of doesn't matter what it is to me, as long as it's a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like getting everyone to that point of like, okay, you have my attention now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's kind of leaning forward in their seat. Exactly. Well, they're like, yeah. so you start off with that and everyone's like, that was weird. And they said, like, what's this guy going to do? And so <laughs> right. now it's like, all right, you, that's where you, I want people to be. It's like, yeah. what is about to happen now? Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I oftentimes sit like middle to back of the room and just looking across, seeing how many like Slack windows are open during any given talk. Totally. It's like crazy and Twitter or whatever other distractions. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a, a like, hey, that's sort of a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you're going to sit in someone's talk, you should try to give them your attention. Yeah. But I also view it as my job as a speaker to try to combat that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I want to talk, I want to ask you about slides. What do you generally put, how much or how little do you generally put on your talk slides? I almost, I can't remember the last time I gave, gave a talk with slides. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, okay. Okay, that's a lie. But it's it's probably been five years since I okay. gave a talk that had slides in it. Now, mm-hmm. most of my speak, basically all of my speaking, except for MicroConf last year, has been at conferences targeted at programmers. Right. And so my theory is, like, code and editor is better than dead code on slides. Mm-hmm. Um, even better is manipulating code, like doing some live coding. That's, like, my favorite talk format. It's like, mm-hmm. let's write code together. Or let's refactor code together which yeah. is much harder as a speaker, but I think makes a more compelling talk when you can do it. Yeah. And so I have gotten out of the habit of making slides. And so now the, my talk content for MicroConf is going to, of course, be less technical. And so I'm trying mm. to figure out what I do want to put up there. So I'm probably not the best person to ask, although I would say, like, the less, the better. Like, yeah. I, think, I think if you just had a series of pictures that were kind of loosely related to what you're talking about, that's probably fine. Um, maybe some graphs might be worth it. But people, like, please don't commit the cardinal sin of putting words on a slide and then saying those words. Yeah, that's a big pet peeve of mine. <laughs> oh, man, I can't, I can't believe people still, it's like, it's 2017. Like, we, we can just know this now. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just stop doing this. Yeah. Especially when people are like, here's a quote I like. 
and they'll put it up and I read the whole thing and, they'll, and then they'll start reading it. It's like, <laughs> there's, I think this is actually a very common mistake that speakers make, which is that they feel compelled to fill the air. Yeah. They're like, the stage is mine. And the thing that I'm supposed to do up here is talk continuously until the end. Hmm. And so it makes them nervous to have silence, I think. Mm-hmm. And so when they, put, when they put up a slide, they're like, I need to keep talking. But mm-hmm. I actually find that that's, that's a great thing to kind of get attention back on you because the tension yeah. slips over time. And so I like to throw a pause in. So like if I had a slide with a quote on it, say, uh, like sometimes during my live coding talks, I would say, let's all read this code. And you could see like, it, it, it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Like it kind of interrupts your brain. You're like, oh, right. the talking stopped. They're like, oh, I need to do something. Yeah, yeah everyone kind of <laughs> look, looks up and they're like, oh, all right. And I just sit there and I say nothing. And yeah. that's a really effective technique I find. Yeah, it's like utilizing white space in design, kind of. Like yeah, yeah, I like that. Totally. Yeah. It makes everything yeah. else kind of more impactful. And I'll right. do that when I'm making a big point of like, and here is an important point. Yeah. And then you kind of pause and give people mm-hmm. a second to like, think about it, let it sink in. I like that. Yeah. So, so keep your slides minimal will be my advice, I guess. And for okay. every slide, like think of it kind of like code where it's like, do I need this? Is this adding? Mm. Like, it's so much better to delete the slide rather than have it. It's yeah. like, if it's not really enhancing what you're saying, then why do you have it? Like I did, I did my attendee talk last year with no slides and I think it was fine for it. I really yeah. couldn't really come up with anything that like I wanted the slides for. And so I was like, I'm just going to skip the slides. And now we'd like to pause a moment for a quick word from our sponsor, which this week is FreshBooks. You know FreshBooks, right? You've heard of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. How, how long has it been since you have freelanced? Oh man, probably five years. Okay. That's probably not the right answer. No, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's all right. But when you were freelancing, did you generate your own invoices? Were you invoicing a lot? Yeah, like my my version of invoicing was like popping open a Word doc and, you know, typing my, like wiping out whatever the previous values were and typing in my totals. Yes, totally. Super janky. Yeah. So for people that don't want to be janky, like if you're, if you're a legit freelancer and this is your bread and butter, that's probably not the best answer, right? We can do better. Totally. FreshBooks, the whole job, whole focus is that kind of thing right there is professional looking invoices. It's invoices that you would be proud. It's invoices that your customers will print and hang on the refrigerator and say, look how legit this freelancer is. (laughs) And then when they're like, you know what? This freelancer did such a good job, we should actually pay them. They can pay online. Online payments, just a couple of clicks. And you get paid four days faster. Mailing a check. Yeah. Then, Then taking out all the cash and stuffing it in an envelope and carrying it to your home, which doesn't happen a lot, but who knows? So yeah, so we're not freelancers, but I bet a lot of people are. If you are a freelancer and you are doing invoices and you don't feel like you have a good solution for that, definitely check out FreshBooks. They are our sponsor this week. And we would like to offer to all of you a 30-day unrestricted free trial. And so if you'd like to claim it, you can just go to freshbooks.com slash giant robots. And then you enter giant robots and how did you hear about us? And then they will know that you were listening to giant robots and you heard this and everyone will be happy including us, including you, including your customers. So thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this show. Thanks, FreshBooks. I want to ask you about how do you decide what you want to talk about? Is it just kind of like whatever, you know, strike of inspiration you have, or is it more methodical than that? It's, it tends to be a thing that I've thought a lot about. My best talks have been things that I kind of can't stop thinking about, that I like love to bring up again and again, that like kind of my, my pet topics, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's made the best ones. I've tried to give talks about things where I was less informed or had thought about it less and I like kind of wanted to be more into, into that topic. And mm-hmm. those were always weaker for me personally. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's an extent to which I think a really good talk is a distillation of a lot of wisdom built up over a long time. Yeah. That's what works best for me. So for a while, I was giving talks on refactoring because I was thinking about it constantly. And I had read like a bunch of books on refactoring. And I talked to my coworkers constantly about it. And like, I was just thinking about how do you make Ruby code better, like yep. every day for, you know, a year and a half and learned a bunch of stuff. And then like it slowly turned into a talk. Yeah. That's similar, similar to my experience too, with like writing a blog post or something. It's like, I've sat down before and, and tried to say like, all right, here's a topic that I should write about, you know, I should know about this. And it's just like a struggle. And I'm like, having to think really hard. And then other times, it's like, if it's something I've been really giving a lot of thought to, you know, maybe it's part of my day to day on many days, then like the blog post almost writes itself, like the words just start pouring out. And maybe, you know, there's still difficulty in editing and all that good stuff. But like the meat of it, you can just like, espouse on and it's much yeah. easier. So. I don't know if the story made it. I, I think we talked about this after the podcast last week. I don't know if the story yeah. made it into the actual recording. So I'll tell it again. Hopefully it's not a repeat. But so I gave a talk a few years ago at RailsConf, which was called How to Talk to Developers, mm-hmm. which is a, a talk about giving talks. I had been to so many talks and given so many talks that I was like, okay, I'm ready to kind of do the... Um, the meta talk. The meta talk. And so I gave that talk and it went really well. I think it was probably my best talk to date. And got a lot of really positive feedback on it. And someone was in the hallway after. He was like, dude, that was amazing. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And he was like, how long did that take you? And I was like, well, I started writing it at like 7.30 last night, but I've been thinking about this for like the last year and a half. Yep. And that I think is kind of the right, like I should have started a little bit earlier. <laughs> that was procrastination. But I think that the point is it's, it's about the distillation of, of a lot of thinking, hopefully. Right. It's like that analogy of like overnight successes. Like it's, there's always a buildup to it, to, to anything great. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, it's, there's like an old mechanic joke where it's like a guy goes to, takes his car into the mechanic and he's like, hey, it's making this noise. And the, the guy pops, pops the hood and turns one bolt and says, that'll be $500. And the guy's like, what? $500? All you did was turn one bolt. He's like, well, yeah, the bolt turning is $10, but the knowing which one to turn is 490 Yeah. Yep. Totally. The other thing on just talk topics is for each one, I try to get down to maybe one or two things that I want people to take away from it. Mm-hmm. I think this is another sort of classic mistake is like people think that, hey, if I'm up there talking for half an hour, I'm going to be able to teach people a half an hour of material. Hmm. And I think it's more like if you're really good, you can get them to remember one and a half things from yeah. your talk. And that's like a pretty good success. Yep. They're going to hear a whole bunch of talks. They're going to think about a bunch of things. You're going to only have their attention for part of it. So if you can actually get a complete thought into someone's head, if you can incept them, uh, then then you've won. <laughs> and so I try yeah. to shape my talks. And by the way, you have the most attention at the beginning. So I think of talks like yeah. newspaper articles. So mm. journalists uh, are apparently trained to write their articles such that they can be cut at any point. So you start with the most important, mm. like the opening paragraph is the most important thing. The second one is the next most important. And you, yep. you go down in, in terms of priority so that an editor can say, eh, we don't have, we don't have room for this whole thing. I'm going to chop it right in the middle. And you still have a cohesive thing. And you've, and you've gotten the most important point. Right. And so I try to shape my talks the yeah. same way. The reality is like you're, if the amount, percentage of the audience that you have paying attention to you were graphed, it slopes, slopes down for sure. So it's like, okay, well, I've got you. I've done this weird thing. I've done some sort of weird warm up and made you stand up yep. and stretch. And now I have your attention. And so the first thing I want to do is, say, is like state in one sentence. If you remember nothing from this whole talk, remember this sentence. Uh, and then just kind of, then I'm just basically backfilling. I'm just supporting that from then on. I've seen uh, I've seen Rob, uh, my colleague, give a lot of talks um, over the years, and mm-hmm. one of the things I think he's really good at doing is, I think he almost always has like a "what's in it for you" slide, where mm. it's like 
right at the beginning, like, here's what you're going to take away from this talk. And he'll even like give like the high level, like, here's the three phases of this talk. And he'll try to split them up, like put something, some little break in between the sections, like a funny video clip or just tell a joke or something like that. And I Mm -hmm. feel like everything that he's giving in the body of the talk kind of speaks to the expectations that were set right in the first few minutes. And it kind Mm -hmm. of like has a way of making it cohesive and ties it all together. I like that. Yeah, I like, I like I the like mechanic that. of telling the people the shape of the talk. It's like the what's in it for you is good. It's like, here's here's what I'm hoping you're taking away. And here's how the talk is going to look. And if you give people kind of a roadmap, I think that's that's a nice yep. technique because then they can kind of, they can sort of track your progress. Because most people's thought process during a talk is like, how much longer is this? How, how much more do I have to listen to? But so, and speaking of that, one thing that I, I am always telling people, and this is maybe maybe my most important point on speaking, which I, I should have mentioned first, given attention spans, yeah. is that <laughs> most people assume that their job as a speaker is to convey information, and that is not sufficient. You have mm. to convey information in an interesting way. Yeah, You have to hold attention. And so my prime edict is don't be boring. Yeah, And it's, that's surprisingly hard to do. You're going to bore people eventually, but like at least try to start interesting and like make your most important, like start with a bang, make your most important point, And then you're kind of like, you're good from there. Like try to keep the attention and realize that like, you should probably change topics every 10 minutes. You should probably do something weird every 10 minutes, like Rob's video, like adding, throwing a weird video or a funny thing or make a joke or tell a story or that's, those, those are some good techniques. Uh, yep. But, but just remember that like the hard part is not anybody can get up there and say stuff. And be like, here's what I did, and here's what I learned, and here are some facts. The hard part lies in the maintaining attention of an audience. Yeah. And so focus mostly on that, and you'll be okay. I've, I've been to talks where I didn't learn anything, but it was, I still really enjoyed the talk because the speaker uh, was entertaining. And I would, I would say, hey, great talk, nice job. But the, the opposite is not the case. Right. Yeah, I, I find a lot, oftentimes some of my most favorite talks from a conference are ones that are mostly inspirational. And those are the ones that are kind of all centered around how gifted the speaker is, you know, whether they're like sparking inspiration in the audience. And, you know, these are all things that are not directly tied back necessarily to the information they're providing. You know, it's just like, it's all the other stuff that a speaker is able to use to hold the attention of their audience and make them feel awesome. So totally. Yeah. And and yeah, it's not the circus. So it's not enough to just be entertaining. Sure. Um, you should uh, hopefully you've got, you've got some points in there too. But bored people don't learn things. Yeah. So if you're hoping to teach... Bored people don't learn things. I like it. Yeah. Almost no one comes out with too much energy, in my opinion. Like if mm-hmm. like people, your, your onstage presence is infectious. Mm-hmm. If you seem excited to be there and excited about the topic, uh, that will help just increase people's engagement with the topic. And there's nothing worse than someone that doesn't, doesn't seem to even really care about the thing they're talking about. Right. So do you caffeinate before going on stage? No, my adrenaline is usually plenty high. <laughs> I don't do any additional caffeination. All right. And that's the thing is like, I've done a bunch of these and I usually feel pretty good before them, but I still get that like heart pounding kind of like that sort of stress response more or less before yeah. I talk. That's just always happens. Uh, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't found much to do about that other than to just like know it's coming, be okay with it. It happens less when the more prepared I feel. Mm-hmm. That's been my best antidote is, mm-hmm. t- you know, tons and tons of practice and yeah. confidence in the talk itself. How many hours on average do you think you put into a standard talk for a conference? If it's like a non-live coding talk, um, mm. it's probably something like twenty hours somewhere in okay. there, um, and most of that is like a, is like kind of is practice. Is like I said, like at first just kind of riffing, and then it slowly takes shape, and then I'm going through it again and again and again. 
and it changes less and less with time. Like it starts to take take a form, mm-hmm. but I'm still usually updating notes and adding things and, and tweaking things. But I like to get to the point where the notes are pretty extraneous and I kind of just glance at them every so often just to make sure I'm, I'm roughly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. One thing that I find is, is tricky is timing. So like you have a certain length of talk, so you, have, you have a certain talk slot. And so I want to cover certain topics and certain time frames. And so that I find is actually a, cha- a pretty challenging thing because you sort of need to know exactly what, not exactly, you need to know roughly what you're going to say when to right. hit, your, hit your timings. And so that's another thing I'll start doing is like, I'll start saying, okay, that section usually takes me five minutes. And then with some tweet, okay, now it's taking me four minutes. Okay, I'm going to update that and make sure that I update all my time codes and sort of say like, here's what I'm going. I start a timer before my talks. I want my own, if, mm-hmm. the, if the conference doesn't provide one, like I want to, I, I want to see a thing. So I know like, yep. okay, I have 10 minutes, I have eight minutes, I have nine, five minutes. Yeah. Anytime I've delivered a talk, I always assume that I'm going to need a lot of material to fill the time, but it's usually <laughs> the opposite. Like totally. my first pass at it is like double you know, it takes twice the amount of time that I have allotted. So then it's like, you know, aggressively editing back and making sure like an extra sentence or two in each of the sections where you're talking could result in totally blowing your time limit. Yeah. I think that's a super common experience. And that's, yeah. that I think is a, is a great tell for someone that didn't practice their talk enough with a timer is that they get 60% through when their time is up. Yep. It's especially like a lightning talk kind of thing or like a, like the attending right. talks are 10 minutes, I think. Right. Yeah, ten minutes. Yeah, that, that's that's. A I know great that's length. gonna go. It's gonna go super fast. Yeah, <laughs> it's especially true for like a five minute lightning talk kind of thing. Like you have to actually. Right. That takes a lot of practice. You got yeah. to really know what you're gonna say and, and when roughly because it's it's actually really tough to cram a, a talk in the, into that time frame. Right, and you want to make sure like it, like there's no time for fluff or for like you know mm-hmm. going off on tangents. Like you got to deliver your points in a really concise manner, which yep. is I find challenging. But yeah, you'll see it. I bet you'll see it happen with the attendee talks probably or, or other conferences. You'll say like, you'll see someone that's like, wow, oh my God, I only have one minute left. And yeah. they're like, uh, let me just uh, skip through a few of these slides and jump to this thing. And it's like that person did not practice with the timer. Yep. Because everyone, yep. everyone assumes they, they need to have a lot of stuff. And it turns out in practice, you don't. Totally. Man, well, this has been good stuff. Good. I hope uh, it was helpful. I hope you get picked yeah. now. I, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing enough talking about giving this talk. Like, yeah. Hopefully it comes to fruition. <laughs> or, or at least someone who heard this gets ch- chosen. Or maybe someone goes on to yeah. give other talks. Um, yep. But I, I love talking about this stuff. This is one of my favorite topics, actually. And um, if you need advice, if you're if you are a person who is about to give a talk and you want advice, I'm happy to, to chat through stuff. So feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or something. I enjoy giving talk feedback or suggestions or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to give your talk for me, if you get picked, we should give our talks to each other. That'd be a good practice run. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Cool. Well, we spent longer than I thought we would on conference talks, although I should have known because I enjoy the topic so much. Figured it might be a, a whole episode length. Yeah. yeah. And you had some t- you had some questions prepared? It was like I was being interviewed on my own podcast. I did. Yeah. I started. I was like, hmm, I have some specific things I genuinely want to know the answer yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> good. Well, that's nice. It's, it's, a, it's an organic way of coming across good topics. Like if you want to know, yeah. I bet somebody else does too. Yep. Totally. Cool. Well, this has been your guide to conference speaking with Derek and Ben. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shall we, uh, should we just wrap it up there and come back next week? Yeah, yeah let's wrap it. All right, perfect. Today's show was produced and edited by Tamershal Brake Obarski. Nice. If you'd like to access the show notes of this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 232. Thanks for listening.